Previously on Research Rank Repeat. Remember how I said I was glad we did Pixar so I could have watched Cars 3? Yeah. I kind of feel that way about this, where it's like, I don't know if I ever would have seen this movie had we not. Well, maybe if I... You also wouldn't have been able to find it anyway until well, 2016. Yeah. I gotta be honest, I didn't really like this film. No. A lot of people really like it. Like, it yeah. clearly scores well. One of the pirates was like, halt, your hostages. And this little girl says, don't worry, we're on the swim team because they're all <laughs> jumping into the water. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, I want them to be together. I wrote five minutes in, he is gay for his friend. Yeah. And then I wrote, I swear these boys are in love with each other. Yeah. They're just taking repressed feelings out on one another. He's like narrating in his head or whatever. And he said this whole thing was starting to feel like a bad soap opera. Mm -hmm. And like five minutes later, I was like, this is a bad yeah, soap opera. It is kind of like a bad soap opera. Yeah. He's not wrong. So an integral part of the folklore is, um, is the raccoons like scrotums. And they're shown and referred to throughout the film. Um, the English dub refers to them as raccoon pouches. Sure does, Hannah. Raccoon yeah. pouches. Raccoon I watched that pouches. English dub this time. I did yeah. too. Uh, in the Japanese, they actually just say yes, scrotum. or a ball sack, otherwise known as a ball sack. Yes. Yeah, love that. And then they're like, oh no, we all got turned on and had babies, and now we have no food because we couldn't keep it in our pants. We went to Pound Town. Keep it in our uh, our raccoon pouches. Our, our pouches. pouches. Started to see this film, and we've kind of talked about it. I genuinely was shocked when I heard Country Roads. Yeah. The John Denver classic, Take Me Home, Country Roads. I was, well, one, I thought I was accidentally listening to the English version. And then I was like, oh, no, this is like a plot point of this film. And then mm -hmm. I was like, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> you, you give me John Denver and I'm in. I said, they're obsessed with Country Roads and it's a move I respect. It's a good way to start a movie because I was immediately drawn in. I think potentially might be the best opening we've seen so far. I think so I far. Think so. To me, it's the most memorable. Yeah. I think it's one of those I'll remember. grabbing tissues i'm gonna say a secret about hannah and the secret is i hope she feels better being sick is no fun wish her well i have an issue here's a tissue here's a tissue welcome this is research rank repeat this is co-host hannah and this is co-host Alyssa. and we are jumping back into Part three. Episode three. Episode three. Part three as well. Both are accurate. Of Studio Ghibli. Yep. Studio Ghibli, Studio Ghibli, same thing, different pronunciation. And here we are, back again with more movies. We have covered 11 so far, I believe, if I'm doing my math correctly. And so we're nearing halfway. Yes. We're getting there. Almost there. Almost there. It's funny, Hannah, when we started this, when we had planned to do this like a year ago, we had talked about how um, they were the studio was releasing a new film, and that's why we wanted mm -hmm. to do it to time with the release of the new film. The new film has come out in Japan, <laughs> specifically Japan. Um, 
I don't know when it's going to come out in the U.S. in terms of like a, an English uh, subtitles um, or and or dub. No clue. Uh, don't know if that's going to be impacted by the writer's strike due to that potentially needing English writers to translate. So we'll see. We'll either cover that in our initial run, depending on how long it takes us to get to the end, or maybe we have to wait a bit. Who knows? Maybe it'll be a little mini-sode. Maybe we find it somewhere. Mm, wink, wink. Maybe a, a, a nice uh, someone who speaks Japanese who happens to love writing subtitles, happens to add them, and then maybe upload it to a, a pirate ship of sorts. Not like life-size. Totally got that legally. <clears throat> Girl with fireflies. <clears throat> <clears throat> We're back with episode three, and we're going to be covering some more films and watching it on HBO Max, or sorry, excuse me, Max. Love that name change. And I believe I have the background for our next film. Yeah, and most of our background, pretty much all of it, comes from most trust, most most trusted source on the web, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Thank you, Wikipedia. Our greatest friend. I also happen to find some information, and I am DB. Mm, also me great too. as well. Okay, so our first film that we're going to be covering is called My Neighbors, the Yamadas. And that pronunciation was really hard for me to not want to go Yamadas, but it's Yamadas. Yamadas. I got it. Um, the film is an hour and 44 minutes long. It is released in 1999 and is rated PG. The Japanese title of this uh, film is... And I'm, I'm apologies. It's uh, Hoho Ki Kyo Tonari no Yamada Kun. It's a comedy animated film. Apology to the people of Japan. Anyone who speaks Japanese again, I'm sorry. I'm doing my best. I really wish I could pronounce it the right way. Hope for the best. But it was written and directed by um, Iso Tika- Takahata. I almost said Takahata. That's not right. Uh, who has directed many of the films of the studio. Hannah, you know what I realized today? Or no, a couple, like a couple days ago. He's dead. Is he? Yeah. He died in 2014. Oh. Or 2018, excuse me. He died in 2018. And we didn't cover that in our background. I don't know how I didn't. Did we not know that? I thought we knew that. Unless I did and I forgot. But anyway, hmm. one of the founders and me directors, he has passed. Uh, sorry if we never talked about that. It is based on a uh, Yonokama manga or manga um, known as Nonochan by Hisachi... She? Ishii. Sorry, there was an I there. I thought it was a dash. Hisachi uh, Ishii. Yonokama, Hannah, because I had to look up what that meant, it refers to a format that is in like a comic strip. So normally hmm. like uh, mangas are like uh, more like a book and have panels. Right. You like, get like big boxes, sometimes like a whole page. Whereas this is much more in a strip, kind of like what you imagine, like Garfield um, comic strips, right. the Sunday paper, you know. Like the newspaper. Right, comics, newspaper yeah. comics. Sorry to, to clarify. Because uh, I didn't know what Yonokama manga was. I was like, what does that mm-hmm. mean? This film features a pretty different animation style than we've mm-hmm. seen from the studio in the past. And that was due to the comic book aesthetic of that manga. So they wanted to replicate that. And it actually, because of that, it is the first completely digital film by the studio. Takahata wanted the animation to be watercolor oversell as opposed to um, how it's normally done, which is like hand drawn. To do this, the animations were all done on computers. Now, Hannah, just to, to compare, 
Another film that we've talked about that was also released in 1999 and was computer animated is Toy Story 3. So if you want to just compare 3D animation to 2D animation, this came out at the same time as Toy Story 2. Did I say Toy Story 3? Yeah, sorry. You said 3. I was like, that's too far, too. Toy Story 2 came out in 1999. Excuse me. That's like an extra 10 years from there. The film was composed by uh, Akiko Yano, who is a very well-known Japanese pop and jazz musician. Um, She carries a lot of influence. I'm not familiar with her, but she's described as being similar to the influence of like Kate Bush, someone like Kate Bush, Mm. who we have talked about with our songs of summer when Running Up That Hill became a uh, Billboard Hot 100 again due to Stranger Things. Yes. This is the first film that she composed for the studio, and I think the only one. Because of the nature of the type of film it is, which is more comedy and, like, vignettes, the songs and the music in the film are much quicker, more, like, short piano themes, kind of more simplistic things, as in contrast to some of the more large orchestral themes of a lot of other Studio Ghibli films, mainly by um, Joe Hisaishi who is known for that orchestral, like, big, huge feel. Mm-hmm. This is also the only film of the studio to not be released by Toho or Toei. I don't know why. They didn't really specify why that was, but for some reason, I don't know if maybe it's the rights to the manga or something like that. No clue. But it was also released in the U.S. with an English dub in December of tw- 2000, done by the mouse. So this film has uh, mostly positive reviews, currently has a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb. It received an Excellence Award for Animation um, at the 1999 Japan Media Arts Festival. And unfortunately, it did not do well, super well in the box office. It made um, 1.56 billion um, Japanese yen which is the equivalent of about $11.91 million in the U.S. So unfortunately, like, it was well, it was highly praised for um, its animation style and the film itself, it didn't exactly do great with audiences in Japan. So I have a summary of the film. The Yamadas navigate their way through life's ups and downs with a sharp-tongued grandmother, a teenage son, and a small but lovable... Oh, sorry, a small but loud daughter... This was provided by uh, Max, the website where we have watched almost all the films that we are covering. Yes. So this one, um, I ended up watching in English. I did too. Which was funny because looking at the voice cast was very interesting Mm -hmm. to me, Hannah. So the grandmother is the voice of Arnold's grandmother in Hey Arnold. And I clocked that immediately. I was like, that's Arnold's grandma. I was right there, and I'm like, excellent grandmother. I got the vibe. I immediately was like, I'm in on that character. The son is voiced by Junie from Spy Kids. Yeah. Daryl. Uh, uh, Daryl uh, Han- Hanum or Hannon or something. Yeah, married to Megan Trainor. Married to Megan Trainor. Mom was Molly, Molly Shannon. Shannon, who we love. That's the first voice I picked up. And then uh, the dad's Jim, Jim Belushi. Yeah. According to Jim Fame, John Belushi's brother. And then the daughter is uh, one of the children from Cheaper by the Dozen and yeah. also from the Santa Claus. Yes. And it was so it was weird where I'm like, I know everyone in the main cast I like have a frame of reference for. I know all these actors mm-hmm. slash actresses. I guess the main thing that I can say about it is I genuinely am so impressed of how good this film looks for the fact that one, it's the first 
computer, fully computer-animated film the studio had released, 1999. So um, I really appreciated the animation. I appreciated uh, the art style. I thought it was especially very different from everything we've seen from the studio. And I also thought it was interesting the like every like the vignette style. So we don't really have like one cohesive story. We're following this family and we have like periods of time where we kind of focus on maybe one character or a group of the characters more than like the cohesive family. But I thought it was it was very fun. I thought it was a fun film. I liked it. I think the problem for me is that because it's so different from everything else, it is it is kind of hard for me to figure out how it compares to some of the other films, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of how much I would like it or where I would rank it. I've kind of still been thinking about that as we've been going through other films where I'm like, I don't really know where I want to put it because I don't know how to compare it to some of the other stuff. Yeah. That's pretty fair. I mean, it when I first saw it, it, it gave me like um, some Charlie Brown vibes, yes, like animation style, and um, I thought it was interesting too. Like I remember, I've never heard of this movie. I've never seen it. When it came on the screen, I was like, oh, this is different than anything we've seen. And yeah, it's it's just a lot of like these like simple moments amongst a family and. Um, there were definitely some moments that, like, I thought were funny, and, um, I think maybe my complaint or my issue is that it got a little, like, lengthy in, like, the middle towards the end where I was kind of like, okay, I'm ready for it to be over just because it's a lot of these short, mm-hmm. not necessarily connected, um, little stories. Um, but I liked, I liked the transitions between them. I liked the, um... Like, the little poems. They have, like, little poems at parts. Like, I thought that was cool. The animation looked really cool. Even for now. Yeah. Like, I I was impressed now, and I'm like, this came out, you know, 20-whatever years ago. So I thought it was entertaining. I just, I agree with you. It's hard to compare it to something like Spirited Away or, like, where I'm, it's such a different film that it does make it hard to figure out where it's going to rank. And this is one of those movies where I... I kind of have a ranking in my head of all these movies, and this is a movie where I kind of would just, like, I don't know, it could end up... Yeah. There's such a wide gap where it could end up. Especially because once we hit a couple of the films after this one, I'll have watched everything that I've already seen. So I'll be going Mm -hmm. in blind. Um, So I'm like, I have absolutely no idea where it's going to fall in the long run. Because I kind of haven't been doing, like, a, like, light ranking. Like, I have, like, a rough estimate where I kind of, like, slot things into, like, like, groups... I almost wish this film was 20 minutes shorter. Yeah, it was a little too long. It's an hour and 44 minutes long, um, and it definitely could have been about an hour 20, and I think maybe that would have been... Because I agree, there was a... I actually watched this movie in two parts. I did half of Mm -hmm. it one day, half of another because of the vignette style. I was like, I think it's... I could find a good natural break. Right, to stop, stop. yeah. And there was... In the second part, I did find myself feeling a little, like, almost... Not necessarily bored, but, like, a little restless. Like, I was like, okay... I'm ready for like to reach the end point. I guess is maybe the way I'll I think that. those types of like there's a reason why like Charlie Brown worked as like a shorter thing is just because I think that kind of movie or that kind of style like I think it it tends to do better in like a shorter format. Yeah, like they could have gotten away with like an hour twenty minutes or an hour fifteen minutes. Um, but yeah, I I watched it all in one in one chunk and um. I did pause it a couple times because I was doing laundry and stuff, which it's easy to pause because you just wait for the end of a scene, which is nice. That is, that aspect is nice, yeah. 
Right. But I, at, towards the end, I was like, okay, like, you know, I'm ready for it to be over. So I think that would be my one complaint is I wish they would have shortened it just a little bit. But yeah, it overall, it was, you know, enjoyable. There was like almost like dry sarcasm throughout the whole film, which I, I appreciate and I enjoy. And a lot of just like, of these moments that like, I feel like can be relatable mm-hmm. and like, are realistic in ways. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. And it was almost so simple at times that I was like, it works in that way. Yeah. It didn't need to do like these big scenes and, and all this stuff for it to work. Like the animation and the simplicity of it was like enough to, to keep my attention. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we needed anything like spectacular and large with this film, um, which is interesting because this comes right after Princess Mononoke, which was a, a huge right. grand epic, you know. And then Spirited Away is right after and it's kind of like, It's yeah. kind of like a little palate cleanser in between. It's nice. Um, it's and- nice. I liked the the dynamic of the family. I thought that the dynamic worked really well, and I liked that it was kind of dysfunctional, but they all, you know, they all, like, loved each other, and they all got along. But yeah, it was, it was nice. It was a nice film. I don't really have anything, like, necessarily negative to say about it, mainly just, uh, I think maybe if it was slightly shorter, I think maybe I wouldn't have felt like I was ready for it to end. Right. Um, this might be my one complaint. But I have no complaints with like the animation style. Great, I liked the I liked the difference of it, and I think that was a good choice for this type of film. I liked the yeah. simplicity. It was very clean, very crisp animation. Yeah, I agree. And I also I did notice in this film I could kind of see the influence from Only Yesterday, which is the film that Takahata did with the the woman who goes out to the the family farm and like gets that kind of like family dynamic like small town not that this was in a small town but i could kind of see that influence of like character dynamics yeah i agree i don't really have anything else i'm ready to go into favorites yeah i agree okay um my favorite character i went with Matsuko, who is the mom, Mm -hmm. I just said that she felt very, like, relatable. And there was a scene where she wanted, like, her mom to make her food. And the mom was like, no, I'm going to make a different meal. And then it, like, burned and all this stuff. And I just felt like her scenes were very relatable. And, like, I understood her frustration she was having and and just, like, day-to-day life. So I picked her. I really liked Matsuko as well. I went with Shige, who's the grandmother. And on their dynamic was my favorite. Watch it, like, the grandmother and the mom interacting together and the stuff like that I thought was the most um, interesting dynamic for me. Uh, genuinely, she's just, like, Arnold's grandma and hey, Arnold. Like, they yeah. give the same vibe. Like, she just, like, does not care. You know, she will, has no filter. She'll say whatever she wants to say. But she cares about her family, clearly, and is supportive in the way that she is. Yeah. But I really liked all the scenes with her in it. I thought were interesting. Yeah. Quote. I did have one I wrote down. It was right, like, at the beginning, and it was the son, and he was, like, talking. He's, like... Talking about, like, if his parents had been different, and then he said, and if our family had been rich, my whole life would have been different. Like, very dryly, and, like, <laughs> the family's just, like, stopped talking. Yeah. Like, I just enjoyed the way it was delivered. Yeah. Um, the line that I liked is there's a part where uh, Nonako, who's the, the daughter, they leave her at a mall. Like, they just mm-hmm. walk out without her uh, on the bench and, like, drive away. And they're trying to go back because they realize she's not in the car. And Takashi, the dad, was like, let us through. My daughter's about to be kidnapped. And just like the delivery of that line was really funny to me. And I like was like, oh, okay, this is funny. 
Yeah, that was actually my favorite, like, scene or, like, I guess favorite scene I thought about, like, favorite, like, segment. Yeah. And that was my favorite, just, like, the comedy when the mom's, like, she's gonna be kidnapped, yeah. like, freaking out and, like, they're, like, you know, call the police, what are you supposed to tell them, a bunch of reasonable yeah. adults <laughs> lost our daughter and, like, and then the girl's just, like, fine. She was just, like, chilling out. Like, I just like the juxtaposition of that scene. I did, too. I, I also, that was probably my favorite scene as well when she, like, there was a lost kid and then she's like he's lost i'm not lost my a lot my family lost me right. and then she just like leaves with i think it was an aunt who was at the, yeah. happened to be at the mall that she's like why would she leave with a random person she does not to talk to strangers but it's like oh i'm sorry i thought it was family and it which it was she did recognize who it was but i thought that that scene was done well i really liked that yeah favorite ghibli moment i just wrote like the animation style in general i really liked the animation style i thought it was creative compared to how they've done all their other movies and i like when like a studio like takes a chance yeah and does something different so yeah my favorite um ghibli moment is there's um towards the end of the film there's a part with these like motorcycle like i don't know guys making disturbance in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and they change the animation style just for that scene like it becomes much more like realistic and like more for lack of better word oliver and company like gritty like gritty 80s (laughs) animation yeah and it's, like, supposed to emulate this, like, you know, like, he's trying to, the dad's trying to put on this, like, tough guy persona to go, like, confront these motorcyclists. But I was, like, I really liked the shift in animation specifically just done for that one scene and not for any of the other scenes. So, yeah, that I thought was really well done. I was, like, whoa. Yeah, I like that, too. Yeah, this is cool. That was cool. But, yeah, mainly the animation. That was, like, my, my draw-in for that one. Yes. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. It's time, Hannah. It's time for Spirited Away. It's time for the big guns. Okay, so Spirited Away was released in 2001, uh, rated PG, and had a runtime of two hours and five minutes. It grossed $395 million in the box office, um, had a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, an 8.6 out of 10 on IMDb, and a 4.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. It was written and directed by um, Hayao Miyazaki, and uh, he wrote this screenplay based off his friend's 10-year-old daughter, um, his friend being the assistant producer on the film. John Lasseter, who is an American animator for The Mouse. The Mouse. Uh, previ- the mouse. Uh, sorry, we should say a previous former animator for The Mouse, who then founded a different studio and I believe was yes. outed from that studio, potentially? Yeah, I'm not sure. There were but some anyways. allegations, I remember. At the time he was with the mouse, he convinced them to buy the North American distribution rights. Mm -hmm. Uh, He and Miyazaki were friends, and he saw the Japanese version and told the mouse company that they should get some claim on it. It might be smart to produce it for America. Get their paws in there. Yes. And he also served as the executive producer of the English dubbed version of that. Okay, so the film received universal acclaim, and it became the highest grossing film in Japanese history, Um, and it held that record for 19 years until Demon Slayer, the movie, came out in 2020. Which is crazy. 20, like, held the record for that long. Yeah, in, in in Japan alone, it grossed the equivalent of 305 million U.S. dollars. It's like the U.S., it's the Japanese Titanic. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it. So it's uh, regarded as one of the greatest films of all time. It won an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature Film 
And it's the first and to date only hand-drawn and non-English language animated film to win that award. Yeah. It's been on multiple lists for best films, uh, animated and just films in general. This idea came from uh, summers Miyazaki spent at a mountain cabin with his friends and family and their children, who um, the movie is based after. Mm -hmm. Um, He had noticed in pop culture that a lot of girls, which the main character is supposed to be 10 years old, so he noticed a lot of girls around that age were portrayed as like, only interested in, like, crushes and romance and stuff like that. And when he observed his friend's kids, he did not see that was the case. Um, And he wanted a young heroine that they could look up to, hence why he made the character he did. So the bathhouse uh, idea was inspired by a bathhouse that was in his childhood uh, town that he grew up in. He drew a lot of inspiration from that and a lot of inspiration from um, European... Um, like architecture and ideas. So when production began, it um, was apparent to him that the movie would end up being over three hours long. He ended up cutting a lot of scenes to shorten it. Okay, so the movie was two hours and ten minutes. Two hours and five minutes. So they cut 50 minutes of film? Uh, more, because it was supposed to be over three hours, so I, at least I'm an very hour. curious about, like, what kind of things they cut, yeah. I think they had, like... What they did is when they started producing it, they realized okay. that. So I think they got rid of some of their, like, scrapped it before they even did right, it. Right, like maybe had storyboards and stuff, right. but not full. Okay. Like they hadn't An- actually yeah, made the whole it. thing. Gotcha. It just, it was looking, the way it was going, it was going to yeah. be over three okay. hours. So the score was done by Joe Hishaishi? Hishaishi. 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 Who does a lot of his movies. The soundtrack itself received multiple awards. So there's a lot of theme elements, thematical elements in this film. One being that the character of No-Face is meant to represent um, certain positive and negative influences of people around you. Uh, the whole idea of his character is that as he is like consuming these characters, he's taking the traits of the people he consumes and turns into their personalities. Um, and at the end, when he goes and lives with... Uh, Yubaba's yes. sister... Uh, Grandma. Grandma. Shoot. Yeah. Grandma. Granny. Granny. Uh, When he goes and lives with Granny, it's supposed to be as his, like, chance to live without having any, like, influence from um, the outside world. Um, There's also a lot of aspects of environmental issues, like a lot of Ghibli films, as well as um, Western consumerism. Um, And a lot of American directors have cited this film as an influence on their movies. Uh, Steven Spielberg has said that it might be better than any mouse film he's seen before cited as um certain mouse films were influenced by this i'm not gonna say their names but certain films like the adventure aspect in this other world aspects have been influenced from spirited away this film is widely seen as showing a film that was created in um Japanese with elements of Japanese folklore that could resonate with audiences from all around the world. And it's been like cited as a movie that has been able to bring like a different culture into like American film and into stuff that people consume in America. Interesting, I read their stage stage adaptation of this movie uh, was released in August of 2023. So just last month. I did remember reading, I think when we did our background, I mentioned that there was, like, introduction, yeah. uh, like, 
planned to be a stage production, but I did not know it. Yeah, uh, in Tokyo, but they did the first show in, I think, like London or somewhere in Europe. Okay. Okay, so summary. When Chihiro is whisked away into a breathtaking world full of spirits and demons, she must use all her wits in order to free herself and her parents. Um, Why don't you go ahead and talk first because I need a break. Yeah, that's fine. We've kind of talked about this a bit as we've gone through this, but we had this movie on VHS. It was a black VHS uh, book, I think is what they're called, VHS books. The cover is iconic. So we grew up with this film. We watched it a lot Mm -hmm. in English specifically. But I probably have seen this film, I don't know, 20 times a lot. On my 18th birthday, I made my friends watch this movie, This and Little Rascals. Hooked it up to our tiny TV, then hooked it up to our flat screen TV. To watching it this time, I actually, a friend of mine had never seen, has never seen a single film from the studio ever. Uh, and I was like, well, you have to watch Spirited Away. And so I, I watched it in English for this time because he, I, I told him he could pick which one he wanted to watch, either Japanese or English. And he said English. And I said, cool, sounds good. I've seen it in both languages, though. It's just a great film. I mean, it's clear f- the fact that it's the highest growing, grossing Japanese film of all time. The fact that so many um, directors and artists and the influence it's had on the like the world, not just Japan. And I know I talked about this in my ba- in the background when I did it about the studio that this was influential in allowing other countries, specifically specifically like an Asian audience's countries' films, to be more acceptable to view and see in the United States, like more commonplace, taken more seriously considering it won an Academy Award for Best Animated Picture. And it's still the only film from another country to win that award. Hand-drawn, that is. It's just a great film. I mean, there are so many things I could say. The The soundtrack is amazing. Um, I At one point in time, I was learning to play the opening theme, the opening song on the keyboard. One Summer's Day. One Summer's Day, because mm-hmm. I love it so much. Uh, Six Station, also fantastic track. Uh I listened to that. It was on my study playlist forever ago and still is on a soundtrack playlist. I don't know. There's there's just so much good. I think that's the problem. It's just there's just so much good. I love the characters. I love the designs. It's very everything about it is done in a way that is well done. It's not too over the top. It's in captivating. I'm engaged the whole time considering it's over two hours long. There's never a point where I'm bored or disinterested or want more. I feel like I get what I need and I like the progression. I think the other thing I really like is the progression of characters. Like I like the changes that like Chihiro faces during this film and like the growth she has. Um, I think is the most interesting part of that is just to see that, especially having seen it so many times to like watch that happen throughout the film. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because I think Chihiro starts off as like a pretty unlikable character. Um, yeah. Not unlikable, but kind of just like a typical like kid who's kind of, you know, a little bit whiny and... And she's upset because she has to right. move away from all her friends and family. Or, I'm not family, but friends Yeah, and, and she and kind of evolves into this like, like he said, like he wanted to create like this heroine character and she kind of evolves into that and it's cool to see. Um yeah, I've seen this movie a ton. This is definitely the Ghibli movie I've seen the most. And uh, yeah, it's it's just really, I think the story is really well done. And it doesn't feel like a two-hour movie. Um, I think it feels shorter. It moves really quick. 
Um, it's pretty cohesive, and I think I like how it's not like rushed at all. Yeah, it takes right, its time. and I feel like the ending doesn't feel rushed. Some of the some of the Ghibli movies in the past that are longer, I felt like they didn't save a lot of time for the end, and it just felt really rushed. Yeah, I mean the characters are really well done, the animations really well done. Um, I haven't seen this movie in a, a bit. It's been a couple years, more than a couple probably, but it's interesting how much I remembered, how many scenes I could remember, how many characters. It's just, I don't know. I think it's cool. I think it's nice watching it as an adult because I definitely noticed a lot more of like the environmentalism aspects and I noticed a lot more of like the themes that they've discussed. Yeah, it's just, it's a really well done movie. I think it's maybe my favorite soundtrack of all the Ghibli movies. Yeah. It just it's just so good and in the music adds so much i mean yeah there's not much to say besides that i don't really have much bad to say if any but honestly i don't know if i can come up with anything negative about this film that i think could be better maybe some bias because again this is a film we had and we watched a lot and i've seen many times um and is i mean it's a kind of like a comfort film you know in the same way that like the parent trap or like princess diaries would be so I think it's hard, sometimes it's hard the bias, and it's also, you know, it is, like, an iconic, well-received and liked yeah. film. Did you, did you say what it had on, like, Rotten Tomatoes yes, and stuff? it had, yeah, 96 on Rotten Tomatoes, of uh, okay. 8.6 on IMDb, and a 4.5 out of 5 okay. on Letterboxd. Yeah. But, I mean, like, critically, it's very highly acclaimed. Um, yeah. There's not many critics who have said negative things about it. And and you can tell, I mean, with how many, like, American directors... Like, if Steven Spielberg says your film is good, it's good. It's, it's better than any of the Mouse films. That I mean, that's saying something. That is a I think statement. it's one of those films that, besides just being a good movie, I think it did a lot for Japan and for their culture and being able to bring yeah. movies. And, I mean, Japanese stuff is huge in America now. Like... Movies, yeah. TV shows, anime, like all of that. Like you go to um, bookstores and you'll see lines of anime mm-hmm. and and manga and there's so many shows now that are on Netflix that I know some pe- so many people who watch anime. And so I think that definitely has to be one of those things you point to as it helps like oh, catapult that sure. into America. Which yeah. sometimes even more than the film itself, that's like the important thing is that it it can transcend um, like cultures and in languages and stuff like that. Especially right. winning an Academy Award, like I would say, there's not many films that have won an Academy Award that weren't pretty good films. <laughs> like you know, yeah, had right. merit. It might not you be know. your favorite style, and it might not be your favorite thing, but like you have to acknowledge the fact that if a film wins an Academy Award, it's generally pretty well liked and pretty well done right there has to be some critically acclaimed element to it or some elements that are work or well done or well received it's hard because i like going into this prior to seeing all these films back to back to back i probably would have said this is my favorite yeah studio ghibli film i'm currently not sure yeah it certainly holds up the same way that i remember it holding up a lot of things work. We'll see when I get to the end because I definitely have a couple that I'm, I've gotten a pocket at the top, this being one of them, but it's possible it might not be number one, but yeah. it's, it's going to be up there for sure. It's going to be up in that top area. Oh, for sure. And I knew that. Like hands um, down. Yeah. And I knew that as well. I knew that going in, but there's definitely some films I've watched I haven't seen that have impressed me a lot too. So 
Yes. I have definitely been impressed. I think I'm ready for favorites if you are. I don't think there's really anything else um, more to say. Um, yeah. I gave the, just for clarification. I've been I have been adding these films to Letterbox mm-hmm. and giving trying to give them the ratings at least ones new ones that I've seen. But I had already given this five stars on Letterbox. Yes. It's one of my like I think I only have like six films that have five stars currently, and this is one of them. You ready for favorites? Yeah, I'm ready. So my favorite character is Chihiro um, mm-hmm. or Sen. What her name becomes when she joins the bathhouse. I think. She is an incredibly captivating protagonist, especially for being a child. Um, I really, like, following her journey, you know, she loses her parents. She's in an unfamiliar world, a spirit world, where she is, like, trying to get by and and find her bravery and her voice. And in this newfound, like, bravery, be able to, like, stand up for what's right and uh, help people in ways that um, she wouldn't have been able to previously or right. wouldn't have tried to previously. I just think she's a really well-done character. I always loved her design as well, like clothing design, just the actual character design. And the relationship she has with characters, I think is really well done. So I appreciate her as a character. Yeah, I'm just going to say same and for all the same reasons. Yeah. yeah, Because I don't really need to say more. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote a line more for its uh, humor aspect, I think. Uh, Chihiro, at the beginning of the film, they're driving in the car, and she said, I finally get a bouquet, and it's a goodbye present. That's depressing. Yeah. I just like the way she (laughs) delivered it. She's, like, in the beginning, she's, like, laying in the car, and she's just all, like, depressed and, like, sarcastic, like, very dry humor, and um, I just like the way it was delivered. Right. And I think that's, it's really interesting, Hannah, because we switched schools um, right around this time. When they built our high school that we ended up going to, mm-hmm. um, we had to switch elementary schools. And you had just only gone to kindergarten. Yeah, it wasn't that big of a deal for me. And so you were only doing half days at the time. First grade, I was the only person in my first grade class who had to transfer to the new school. So I didn't know anyone. And I was really upset. I remember like telling my, like, my mom being like, yeah, you were really upset having to go to a new school and, like, have a new teacher. And that was in 2001 is when that happened. So, like, when this film came out. So, like, I definitely could relate to that experience of, like, having to not necessarily move to, like, a new house and, like, a new city, but having to, like, change an aspect of your life and, like, lose your friends and um, have to make new friends and stuff. So that definitely is an experience. And I would have been, you know, eight I think I was eight years old. So like a similar age as well. So I think maybe that probably resonated with me a lot at that age as well. But my line, let's see. Once you've met someone, you're never, you never really forget them. It just takes a while for your memories to return. And I believe that's Granny Granny says that. um, When uh, Chihiro goes to her house to return a seal that um, was stolen from her. And I thought that line is really well said, you know, that like, you certainly can have people that come and go in your lives and although you might not remember like all of it like things will come back like the things that are important that you need to know will come back so yeah i look like death i know (laughs) just looked at my face it's okay i'm crying i'm so emotional about the movie you're just so emotional do you want to go for yeah uh favorite scene um i specifically picked the scene because i remember it so much from when i was a kid and it's when she first goes to the boiler room and, like, yeah. all the soot men, women are, like, carrying the little pebbles and rocks. And um, I just remember that scene so much. And I always like the little characters. And um, they remind me of, what is it? 
Oh my god, what's the movie? My neighbor uh, Totoro. Oh, my neighbor Totoro, the dust bunny. The dust bunny yeah. kind of thing. Um, it reminds me of that. So I just have always really liked that scene. Yeah. Um, I kind of did two scenes too. I picked one that I always liked as a kid, which is like right when the the town goes dark and all the spirits mm-hmm. start appearing and like the town comes to life and then the the bathhouse comes to life. Like that I really liked with the music and like everything with that I really liked as a kid. Um, but as an adult, the scene that I really liked was when the stink spirit comes and mm-hmm. then are able to basically it turns out it's it's like a river spirit mm-hmm. that has been like polluted so there's like a bike stuck and like a bunch of trash but like once they um release the trash and the water spirit is like free there's this like very serene moment where it's just like really no noise it's just like her and the water spirit and like they have like a moment and i really liked that scene as an adult i thought that was really well done um that i probably wouldn't have resonated with as a child much yeah yeah um favorite ghibli moment i have to go with because it's one of my favorite instrumental songs of all time not just for ghibli um the opening scene with uh Mm -hmm. one summer's day um playing and i just really like the opening scene too but i think that moment sets like the tone for the movie um yeah and it just works really well i also picked two for this one as well oh that's one of them because i love that song one summer's day and that opening and just like the simplicity and like you have the understanding immediately Mm -hmm. about like what like what the journey is gonna be and i love that song the simplicity of the piano and like the way it builds yeah but again this is me as an adult now I love the setup of, it's called the sixth station. It's when she goes on the train and it's just the train moving through water. It's the song playing. Again, it's just simplistic. It's shots of uh, going through countryside, um, spirits getting off the train. It's just, there's really nothing specifically about it. It's just incredibly simplistic, but the music and the animation together um, and the visuals are just so well done. So yeah, I, I double dipped again. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those movies that, um, I forgot what movie it was from Mouse that we said it was so hard to pick, like, favorites. Um, It's one of those movies where it's so hard to pick favorites, and that's, like, never a bad thing. Yeah. Because there's a lot of times when I have to, like, really search to find one. Right. Or can't even find one. Um, But yeah, it it was nice to see. Yeah, just great film. There's so many things we could say about it, but we could also end up talking for like an hour. So right. uh, we'll just keep it simple. It's a great film. Holds up. If you haven't seen anything of the studio, I would recommend this as your first one. Yeah, because it's it, a good intro. The East Entry is pretty... It, it's not hard to watch it and not like understand what's going on. Because yeah. I think some of these maybe might not appeal to certain people not to say that you know if you don't like it that there's something wrong with you but like some of the films i think the barrier to entry is a bit harder for some of them i would agree um princess mononoke Mm -hmm. i think is one of those films that like may be harder for some people to get into the like having not have any influence like if you've never seen any japanese animated films or like are familiar with any of like that culture and like that type of style then that might film might not be super impactful on you or like you might not like it very much Um, i agree i think it's um i remember like as a kid liking it too so i think it's good for like kids too some of the ghibli films are a little like scary uh, yeah like mononoke i was like oh some of those scenes are like rough for a kid it's pg-13 right so i feel like this is one of those films that i don't remember being like scared really as a kid i don't Um, remember either but yeah, um, I, I would also recommend it. And if anyone wants a longer discussion, maybe we'll do a bonus episode of just Spirited Away. You never know. 
yeah, I could talk about this film forever. Um, so we might potentially, if there's any desire for it, we might release a little bonus stuff for yeah. maybe a few specific things. Yeah, so let's move on to our next film. Okay, <clears throat> so our next film that we're going to be covering is The Cat Returns, um, which was released in 2002, and it is an hour and 15 minutes in rated G. The background of this film is very interesting for me to read about on our most trusted source, Wikipedia. So essentially, this film is a spinoff of, or a sort of a sequel to the film The Whisper of the Heart, which came out um, about eight years before that in 1995, I think. Double check. Yeah, 1995. So it came out seven years after that point. And actually, the reason it happened is because a Japanese theme park commissioned Studio Ghibli to make a short about cats. They were like, hey, we'd love for you to make some sort of a video about cats for our theme park. Miyazaki was like, cool, we can do that. And that was in 1999. So three years before the film would eventually come out. It was supposed to be 20 minutes. So uh, Miyazaki was like, here are the things that I want. I want the Baron from Whisper of the Heart, which was the statue that um, the main character was writing her Mm -hmm. novel about was the Baron. Muta, who is the the cat in that film as well. Mm-hmm. And then he also wanted some form of an antique shop to be featured in the film. And so he actually commissioned the original writer of the manga, The Whisper of the Heart, that the movie is based off of, who is um, Aoi, Aoi Hiragi. I'm not sure the name. I'm sorry again. I, I, I butchered it. Um, Hiragi, basically, who wrote the original manga, was commissioned to write a new, um, like, source for this short. What happened is, Hannah, is that the theme park at a certain point canceled the project. And they were like, eh, just kidding. We don't need it anymore. But what had happened is that they already had the animation and had added to it. So they um, started using it to test future directors. So they were like, hey, this is a project. We Because, you know, they were planning on having successors to the studio. Unfortunately, the one of the people they wanted to be the successor who had originally directed Whisper of the Heart had died at this point. Um, so they used it kind of as like a testing project. And at this point, it was already about 45 minutes long. This animator um, by the name of Hiroyuki Morita had taken over the project. And he had done about nine months worth of storyboarding for the project and um Miyazaki liked it so much they decided to produce it as a feature film so essentially he was like you've done all this work we like the way this looks we already have 45 minutes of animation just make it into a full-length feature film Hiroyuki Morita was the director of the film and this was the only first and only film with the studio and the um, music was done by Yuji Nomi, who um, I believe had done the music for Whisper of the Heart as well. It was released through um, Toho, and it was released through The Mouse in 2005 with an English dub. And it was the highest grossing domestic film in t- 2002 of Japan, and the seventh overall film, uh, grossing film in Japan that was non-domestic. And it's the 86th highest grossing film in Japan of all time, garnering uh, 6.46 billion yen, um, which is the equivalent of $65 million in the box office. Um, So it has a 91% in Rotten Tomatoes, 71% out of 100 on Metacritic, um, a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, and it has a 3.6 out of 5 on uh, Letterboxd in terms of rating. 
And so far, this is the f- the only first and only film that is a spinoff or secret se- spinoff or sequel feature film from the studio, which is very different from a uh, lampshade company that yes. we covered, considering they have had many many sequels to their films and prequels. You know, we got it all. Mm-hmm. All the coals. But anyway, so uh, I have a summary from. Max, Haru's average life is turned upside down after she rescues a cat who turns out to be a prince. Is that it? That's it. Oh, short and sweet. Short and sweet. That's it. I will say Carl and Cash were obsessed with this film because they heard all the meowing. Um, They were very into it. Unfortunately, I was not. Um, I'm going to be honest. Like, Uh, okay, I... I might have a controversial take. I feel like this film was made for the furries. Yeah. Because, you know, this this main character has a crush on a, a cat, a cat, but the Baron. She even says it. She said, I have a crush on you. And they're trying to marry her to a cat. Um, Yeah. I liked it. However, it was fine. You know, I didn't hate it. I thought some, there were certain things that I thought worked. The Baron is reminds me a lot of Professor Layton and or uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts from yeah. Princess Bride. So I liked some of the characteristics of the characters. Yeah. But I'd like to hear about your thoughts on it. I had a issue with all like the fat shaming. And like I know at the time frame, like I know that was a thing that happened, but it just kept going and it wasn't funny. Did you listen to it in English or or did you do Japanese? I did it in Japanese. Okay. Because it took me, I did English and it took me about halfway through to figure out it was Anne Hathaway. I was looking at the English cast because usually even if I do Japanese, I like to look and I'm like, what is this cast? Kristen Bell was in it. And it's funny because Carrie Ells was in the the movie who is uh, in The Princess Bride. So that was funny to me. I don't know. I think my problem with the movie is that I didn't start enjoying it until the last 20... 15, 20 minutes, the final scene. Yeah. Um, when they get into, like, the maze part, that's when I started to enjoy it. It just was very, like, I feel like a lot of the side characters weren't good. Um, or they weren't developed enough. Yeah, they weren't developed. They were very one note. They they had, like, one thing about them, and that's all they focused on. Like, the cane and, like, some of the side characters. Like, they just had one thing. The plot didn't really work. It felt really slow for a movie that was only, like, an hour and 15 minutes. I just, I don't know. I just think that it wasn't that interesting to me. And um, I wrote like four times. I really don't like this movie. Oh, you know what else? I hated the main character. You didn't like, I like the main character. She is a bitch to all the cats. Okay. If you're a bitch to the cats, you don't get to, I'm not going to like you. She saved a cat. I don't give a shit. She was like. She saved a prince We're talking about Haru. She basically was like. I yeah. saved all these cats, but then she was like, get away from me, you fat cat. I hate you. And like all this stuff. And she was a bitch and I hated her. I've never hated a a main character. Really? In Ghibli as much as I've hated I her. I didn't hate her. You know what's weird? You liked the the lead of Pompoko more than you, you no, liked her? No, no okay. that's not true. I just didn't like her. Okay, that's fair. I did not have that perception, but. Maybe it was. I want to say maybe because I listen in English, but then that means I don't like Anne Hathaway, which just simply isn't true. <laughs> yeah, that's I fair. don't know. She just was very mean to cats and it made me sad. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, to be fair, they 
were acting as if she was should like these things and she clearly didn't because she was a human and not a cat yeah so but she was it, mean to know? the sidekick too the little guy who was trying to help her yeah well he did also get stuck in a bowl of jello he ate himself into a bowl of jello so. sometimes we get hungry it happens yeah. to the best of us regardless i didn't like her and i didn't like the movie until the last 20 minutes that's fair um I think some elements work. Like, clearly the animation looks nice. Like, it's always going to look nice. So that's... There was a weird moment, though, where there's some shaky cam. Yeah. Um, when the Baron was falling out of the sky, it was, like, full shaky cam. And I'm like, what is this, Fast and Furious? I didn't know if that was, like, a choice. Like, it was a weird choice. And this was 2002, and I'm like, Fast and the Furious maybe they come t- out. Maybe they were know? inspired. Tokyo you know, Drift. like, Tokyo Drift, like, the shaky cam. Like, I guess that kind of became a thing around that time. But I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, I don't think they had done that type of style before that. I really loved, and I will talk about this being my probably my favorite scene, not Ghibli, my favorite scene, just because of how ridiculous it was when the king shows up at her house and has the tuxedo cats or the bodyguard cats, and they're just, like, hitting people, throw like, throwing the street cats over the wall. Like, I was just like, what is this? Like, yeah. what am I watching? It was so ridiculous, but I, I thought it was great, just the bodyguards themselves. I thought the plot itself... She saves this this prince cat, this cat's life, ends up being a prince. The king's like, yeah, you're going to marry my son. And she's like, what? And then it's like, he's like, oh, I show up and I'm in love with this other cat. And I was just like, the plot of that like aspect, I was like, all right, that's not really... I've seen that many times. I'm married, I'm betrothed to you, but I'm in love with someone else, you know? Right. Like, so that part, I was like, all right, I'm not really that interested in that plot line. Um, also, the that one cat with the white cat with the pink bow, really, I was like, I feel like this is Marie from the Aristocats. Yeah. I was like, there's definitely got to be some influence from, from that film. It just didn't feel like a Ghibli movie. Yeah, it felt like it felt like ocean waves in a way. Yeah, and I wonder if that's because this originally started out as it's supposed Maybe. to be a short, and then it was added onto and onto, um, and was you know, and they did bring back the the original writer of the manga to write like the storyboard for this, but it's almost like. The original Whisper of the Heart, the thing that I really liked about it is that it was based in reality, but then you have these fantasy moments that are just part of the film and not the whole film. And yeah. I don't know if it worked as a whole film. And it's also weird because this this movie is an hour and 15 minutes long. Like, it's maybe the shortest film yeah. of the studio. But it also felt... It felt very long. felt very long. It felt longer than Spirited Away. Yeah. You, you asked why the director didn't come back. Yeah. I'm just saying because they made this movie. Um, they did also turn her into a cat girl. Yeah, and the end know. of the movie, was it implying that she didn't like the guy anymore because she was in love with the cat? Yeah, and she also cut her hair, like, had changed her appearance and seemed very different. Yeah, I kind of feel like it was implying that she's in love with the Baron there and that, that her crush is beneath her. She was no longer now interested in the Ash Pokemon motherfucking looking dude because yeah. she was now in love with a cat. <laughs> yeah i think so you know i think it's interesting because i did like the main character i liked the um you know she seemed to have like a good relationship with her friend one friend that she Kristen had Bell. Kristen was it Kristen Bell played the friend yes okay because i heard that voice and i was like that sounds familiar you know like she saved a cat in the beginning but you know she sleeps in and was late to school and i'm like i can relate to that i mean i could relate to her yeah like not like her mom's like why do you bother setting the alarm clock i was like yeah fair yeah i get that i thought she was interesting enough 
and had enough personality to like be a be a main lead i guess i guess my issues were more with the side characters like there's that crow raven that just kind of exists briefly but really doesn't get a story and the baron is kind also feels very like underdeveloped at times i hated the king yeah. Was, did Tim Curry play the king? Yes. Okay, I was gonna say, I saw Tim Curry was in the cast, and I'm like, I feel like he would be the roast king. He's like, marry me instead. She was like, ew, no. When they, like, rolled in, and he's like, oh, I like what I see, and I was like, ew. Yeah, I'm like, oh, blah, blah. I just, blah. I don't know. I just, I just didn't like it. I don't think it's the worst film in the studio so far. I wouldn't put it in my top. I think it's acceptable. It's an acceptable movie, but I probably don't need to watch it again. I'm it's never watching I'm it at. again. I can tell you that. Yeah, you want to get to favorites? Yeah. My favorite was not Haru. My favorite was Baron because he was cool. I did Baron as well. And he had a little cane and he had like a hat. tea. And yeah. he got in a sword fight. He was cool. Again, I've talked about Professor Layton on this podcast before, but he gave me real Professor Layton vibes, yeah. which I loved those games as a child. So I appreciated that. The charismatic uh, gentleman, you know, look at this distinguished gentleman. Yeah. I did not have a favorite line because they all, oh. most of the lines, like, <laughs> I, d- I just didn't like. That's fair. I had one that I did think was funny. So it's after she's like, she's told that she's going to marry the prince. And she's like, but he's a cat. And the the one cat who's talking to her was like the assistant. He was like, he's not only a cat, he's cool. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's cool. That's a, that, you know, so that settles it. I guess I'm going to marry him. He's pretty cool. But right. that was funny. That line was funny to me. I was like, that's kind of funny. Like, he's a cool dude. Um, so I liked that. Oh, look at that cat. Look at that cat. What did you think of the movie? Carl, you have thoughts? Okay. Okay. No thoughts. No thoughts. He's trying to run away. That's how he felt. That's okay. But they are very captivated by the film. I think it's their favorite Ghibli film so far. Okay. You know, that's fair. Have they seen Halloween Town yet? No, but I'm excited to show Carl. Or Hocus Pocus. No, I'm excited for Carl to see Hocus Pocus. Yeah, I think he'll really appreciate uh, Binks. Zachary Binks. Zachary Binks. Favorite scene. I like the scene where she was freaking out about marrying a cat Mm -hmm. before she ended up liking the cats. Yeah. But she was like, how anyone would react to the thought of marrying a cat. Like, she was yeah. very realistic, and then all of a sudden, she was, like, into it. But I liked the scene when she wasn't into it. Yeah, so I kind of already mentioned it, but I really liked the bodyguard cats, like, throwing, like, bouncers. They were just, like, throwing cats over the wall and, like, punching them and pushing them away. Like, get out of the way of the king. Yeah, favorite Ghibli moment was, oh, the maze scene. The scene with the maze, I liked when the music came in, and I just felt like the animation was cool, and that was the part where I really started to be like, oh, this is actually an entertaining movie. Yeah. For Ghibli moment, I really liked the entrance of the Baron. Like, when they get to this little tiny town, like, the lights kind of all come to the building, and, like, lights up, and then, like, he comes out, and he's like, hello, I'm the Baron. It was kind of like Harry Potter when Dumbledore... It was, or like when um when H- Hagrid opens the the passageway yeah. to uh what's the the place? Not Diagon Alley. Di- the why am I? I can't. Isn't it Diagon Alley? No, Diagon Alley is the. Oh yeah, no, it is Diagon Alley. Yeah, but anyway, that is our covering of that film, and we'll go to the next one. All right, Alyssa, are you ready to move on to Howl's Moving Castle? I am. Yes, Howl. 
<laughs> I don't like that. Did you want me to howl at the? No, moment? it was Ow. like you know um, when they used to go, go get them tigers, howls like that. Yeah. Well, howl. Get them. Anyways, tigers. Howl's Moving Castle, um, rated PG, an hour and fifty nine minutes, came out in two thousand four, and had a. 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb, a 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 4.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. So this movie is written and directed by um, Hayao Miyazaki. It is loosely based on the 1986 novel of the same name by British author Diane Wynne Jones. And the film was produced by Toshio Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Um, it was influenced by Miyazaki's opposition to the u.s invasion of iraq in 2003 Mm, and um he stated he had a great deal of rage regarding that incident and which led him to make a film which he felt would be poorly received in the u.s you know what i I respect it that's that's a king move you know (laughs) i support that yeah okay so this movie explores themes of old age um but tries to depict it as a positive thing and not as, like, a negative, like, I am old and feeble. So in 2013, Miyazaki said that this movie was his favorite creation out of all of them he has mm-hmm. done. Um, he said that he wanted to convey the message that life is worth living, and he thinks that still, in 2013, that was still, like, the case of the movie. So the film varies a lot from the novel that it is based off of. The novel focuses a lot more on challenging class and gender norms where the film focuses on love personal loyalty and the destructive effects of war so this film grossed a hundred and hundred and ninety i couldn't tell if it were 90 or 40 190 million in japan and 236 million worldwide which made it one of the highest grossing films in japan i think it said it was behind titanic and spirited away like a movie spirited that, away for a long time was the most yeah didn't something beat spirited away more recently i think didn't we talk uh, about it? potentially yeah maybe i don't remember Anyways, either way either way but yeah. yeah very highly grossed movie um also received a lot of critical acclaim from many people but it was nominated for the academy award for best animated feature at the 78th annual academy awards it did lose what did do you know what it to, lost i to? believe it was uh, it was like peter rabbit or something weird peter rabbit oh Wa- wallace and Grim. uh hold on oh the were rabbits or whatever the wallace and gromit movie wall oh here we go you wallace like and Claymation? gromit the curse of the were rabbit okay i don't know Interesting. anyways it lost okay. that's <laughs> upsetting yeah, um, it was also nominated for numerous other awards that it did win. Uh, in Japan, it was nominated for some awards and um, is ranked fairly, very highly among a lot of critics and a lot of fans as being one of their favorite films of Ghibli. I Well, this is not like background, background, but I was mm-hmm. talking at work with a couple people who have seen a lot of Ghibli films and there was like two or three people who said that this was their favorite of all time. Yeah. Um, and they've seen, like, they haven't just seen, like, this one. They've right. seen, like, numerous. So, yeah, it is very highly um, acclaimed and rated among critics and just fans yes. in general. And consumers, I guess I should say. Right. Okay. A summary from Max. 
In search of a cure to a witch's curse, Sophie boards a wizard's magnificent moving castle into a new life of wonder and adventure. Now, Hannah, I'm curious. Have you, had you seen this film before now? I had, but honestly, okay. it's been a very long time because there was a lot I did not remember Okay, from this. Yeah, so I watched this at a sleepover and I want to say, like, 2007 or 8, like, I was in middle school mm-hmm. at a friend's house. I had never seen it before, and I, I don't think I've seen it since then. Okay. There were some things that I remembered. Like, I did not remember the end of the movie at all. No. So it was interesting to, like, come back to it, um, because we're pretty much getting to the point where I will not have really have seen any of the films. Yep, same. But yeah, so it's interesting to come back to this like, you know, 10, 15 years Mm -hmm. after last having seen it and also being, you know, a teenager, not an adult watching it as well. Yeah, I mean, when we talked, when we did like Pixar stuff, we talked about how some of those movies we hadn't seen since we were like kids. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting to view it through a different like lens. I think I watched it in high school like Mm -hmm. over at a friend's house or something um but it's been you know 10 years yeah maybe more so it's definitely there were certain scenes i remember but most of it was like i couldn't remember where it went i couldn't remember a lot of the side scenes and honestly when i watched it we were probably like doing other stuff i don't even know if i sat and watched the whole movie but yeah it was it was definitely interesting like it was very captivating um this is another movie that's almost two hours and it didn't necessarily feel that way to me it it moved i think the pace was pretty well done and i think it was interesting and i think there was a lot of um side characters that were enjoyable even like the villain i found to be enjoyable yeah and i just thought like most ghibli movies the soundtrack amazing Mm. It was animation. Uh, Joe Joe Hishashi. Joe Hishashi. Yep, he did the. He did. Um, okay. that song "Merry Go Round" that plays at the beginning is like one of my favorite songs. Like I uh, had a playlist in high school. I used to, in college. I used to have like a study playlist, and that song was always on there. Yeah, I find it so. It's really interesting because I do. I've heard the song before. I had it also on like mm-hmm. a study playlist in like high school, college. I in watching the film. I was surprised at how often it played. Like yeah. the motif, like that like main motif or like light motif played multiple times, like a lot. Like you heard mm-hmm. it many times and it sounded a little bit different almost yeah. every time it played. And I thought that was a really interesting way to use a theme and to use music in this film because I don't feel like really done that in any of the other films that he's Mm -mm. um done the like was a composer for so i found that to be really really interesting so i just wanted to bring that up that that was kind of something different that i thought worked well for this film specifically yeah Yeah. it's almost how you know how tv shows will do that where they'll have like a it's like the full house like the right but like the first one that comes to mind is like um gray's anatomy had like the mayor dare the meredith derrick like music Mm -hmm. that this the same kind of music would play in like a lot of their important scenes yeah. and like so i've seen tv shows do that where throughout seasons they'll bring back songs and i think that makes more sense setting because it's like throughout seasons of a show but it is interesting to see in a movie and i think it it works because oh, it yeah. helps like tie everything together like overall i enjoyed it um i was like laughing because there's 
As soon as I saw like her turn into like an old lady, I just remembered when our mom got called an old hag by a patient at work. And she's like, she was like in her early 50s and my mom does not look like, no, she looks like she could be like in her 40s. Like she doesn't look like she's that old. Um, But yeah, and she was so upset. She came home and she said, this patient called me an old hag and I couldn't stop laughing. It was so funny. The exact quote was, listen here, you old hag. (laughs) Which I'm like, that's funny. Which is great. Yeah. I felt like the character interactions were really good there was a lot of different characters that interacted and I really liked a lot of that and I just felt like the cast like in the house and in the sorry the moving castle uh I felt like they had good chemistry between each other and I just liked how the story like flowed yeah so that was something I was gonna mention is that I think one of the strengths of this film is that it has a relatively small cast Mm -hmm. um or at least like a small like main and supporting cast comparatively to some of these other films right really only have maybe like five characters who are like important and like in the film for most of it and there's a couple side characters but um, I think that it, that really worked. Like some movies, I feel like a small cast doesn't necessarily work super well. Right. Princess Mononoke, I mm-hmm. think, wouldn't work if it had like a really, really tiny cast. Like it needed a lot of people and a lot of characters. But I think having a small cast and being set, like a good portion of it set inside of one like small area meant that there could be better character interactions and like development between characters and like Mm -hmm. the way that they act with each other that i thought worked really well yeah um another thing that i was just thinking about is that is this the first ghibli film with like a pretty boy like as the lead yeah because i think a lot of times they're like they're very similar and they're not I mean, they're they're not not necessarily like manly masculine no no no, but he's definitely very like 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 flamboyant? Is I want to say flamboyant. Right? Yeah, I don't want to be like and not like not too like not like in a derogatory in a, in a, yeah, sense. Yeah, in a negative but sense. But he like you know his hair is very important. He's to very him, his concerned appearance. about his appearance and like yeah. Because yeah. he his hair gets dyed a different color and oh, he thinks his life piss. is like over and he says something like what what's the point if I am not pretty anymore or not good yeah. looking or whatever. Um, I was gonna ask, did you watch this in English or Japanese? I watched this in English. Okay, so you got that Christian Bale. I got that Josh yeah. Hutchinson. I know. I was going to say, I'm the so cast excited. for the English one yeah. is, is pretty good. It you is. You got a strong cast. I watched yeah. it in Japanese this time, but I okay. the first time I watched it was in English, and that was mainly what I remembered. I was like, Christian Bale's. Yeah, I um, I out. was like watching it, and I also like chores as I was mm-hmm. watching, so I wanted something where I didn't have to like fully yeah. stare at the screen. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty one. good, like, English voice cast. Um, yeah. I'm, I was, like, kept hearing voices, and I'm like, they sound so familiar, and at the end, the credits, and I was like, oh. Like, okay. That's who these people are. Um, but yeah, yeah. it was a, a good cast. Yeah. I thought the, like, the designs of everything was really mm-hmm. well done. Like, I liked the color choices. I liked the, like, the kind of English... And I know they use European towns a lot yeah. for a lot of their films, but, like, it was kind of, like, Dutch-German... Kind right. of like, um, what's the one I'm thinking of? That kind of, It wasn't a Castle in the Sky kind of had the same yeah. style. Because I think Kiki's, Kiki's Delivery Service was a bit more like coastal um, than that. But I did also, the other thing that I liked is that this movie starts with like a really abrupt cold open. No music, yeah. just straight into the castle in the fog. I thought that was pretty effective to mm-hmm. be like, 
House Moving Castle? House Moving Castle. Here it is. Um, and then goes into music for a bit. And so I thought that was nice because I feel like a lot of the films start with either with music or they start with like some really dramatic, like intense scene. Right. Intensive. But I liked that it was like slow and kind of just on. Yeah, it, it's interesting to see, because they've done uh, war before in, in Ghibli mm-hmm. movies, so it's not a new concept, but it was interesting to see, like, how they chose to go about it and, like, show, not ne- not necessarily, like, the effects on, like, a huge group of people, but sort of just, like, on one individual. Yeah. How, how struggles with, like, the effects of war. Um, right. Because we saw, like, Porco Rosso. Yeah, and, like, a lot of them, they focus more on, like, uh, people as, like, a whole, but I think um, getting to see just, like, the effects on on Howell and himself is kind of interesting. Um, And it makes sense. I didn't really know this movie was made in response to uh, U.S. invasion of Iraq, but it's interesting now to know that, to be, Mm -hmm. like, to see how he could say, like, oh, American audience might not appreciate this, especially for the time it came out, is interesting. So I think it's interesting how they chose to go about that. Miyazaki was an original chick. Yeah, except he didn't get uh, canceled for yeah, and death threats. You know, it's forever. Yeah, I do. I do think there is like having seen Porco Rosso now, I can definitely see the parallels of having a like a lead in how being like like maybe the secondary lead, but mm-hmm. um, having a lead like feel like a monster you know Mm -hmm. how porco rosso like is a pig sees himself as that because of the impacts of fighting in war whereas like how turns into this like bird feathered monster kind of deal like losing your humanity right um, with the violence so like that was a nice like peril to see having now seen that film i can see like how he sees war and like specifically focusing on like the human aspect you said like one individual person's impact as opposed to like something like graves grave of the fireflies where it's like the impact is on like you see it on everyone right that because that movie is more like the the impact on like that society as a whole whereas um the other two were kind of like let's focus on this person Mm -hmm. and their direct uh the consequences that come to them as a direct result of war yeah which is interesting to portray. So yeah. I, I think that was well done. Um, it's interesting, though, because when I think about, like, when I think about Grave of the Fireflies, I just think, like, oh, it was based on, like, during time of war because it's right. so, like, prevalent. But I mm-hmm. feel like with Howl's Moving Castle, I almost forgot about that yeah. element um, because I was, like, more just thinking about the story. And then you're like, oh, it actually was very, like, entwined in this war and had a lot of impacts on the characters so um yeah i just i think it was well done yeah i i think it's a good film i think it it is like you said very captivating like i didn't check my phone or like need to check how much time was left because i was which has happened a few times where i'm like (laughs) how much how much i got left i will say one thing i did feel like maybe the ending felt a little abrupt yeah you have this um scarecrow Sophie, the lead, has pulled him out of a bush and, like, saved him, and he hangs out and saves them, and then all of a sudden turns into a man, and yeah. he's like, hey, I'm a prince, and yeah. true love saved me, and then it was like, hey, bud, she's got someone else she's interested in, uh, and he's like, cool, I'll wait it out, Yeah, and I was like, I was what? Like, okay. uh, and then yeah, it that just was kinda, weird. And then it just kind of ends. I feel like we didn't need that. 
I feel no. like I would have just happier if he just stayed a scarecrow, you know? Yeah, like, it was really weird. That just, like, I felt like there was no payoff with that, specifically. Mm. So, like, some, like, that's the only part of the movie that I was, like, could have just cut that part out. Yeah, you know? I agree. I would agree with that statement. But otherwise, otherwise, I thought it was a very well done movie. Mainly, I think the focus being on the cast, the cast themselves and the characters yeah. were really well done. I think done. that's the, um, the definite, like, strength of the movie is, is yeah. the cast and, like, the writing. For sure. Okay. I said that my favorite scene, just like regular scene, I really liked when Sophie and the um the witch woman <laughs> when they're going up the stairs. When they were going up the stairs. That's my favorite scene it was too. So funny. It's so funny. When I was watching this movie, I yeah. I kept being like, when are there stairs coming? Because I remember when I like watching that for the first time years ago. Like that's a scene that stuck with me. Is them yeah, it's climbing so the funny. stairs? They're it's like so banter well back and forth, and then how at the end she's like encouraging her, and she's like, she was invited here. It's just not right <laughs> that you're not helping. Like it's just yeah. so funny. Um, it's it was so well done. Yeah. I was, like, laughing. I was, like, this is just, like, genius. Yeah. The and whole then thing. That whole thing, especially with, like, Sophie, like, Hal is supposed to be in disguise, and she thinks right. this dog is Hal, so she's, like, carrying up and the it's stairs, not even and it's him. not even him. Yeah. Yeah, that was, was, that was also my favorite scene, too, was the stair yeah. climbing. I, it's the humor. That's, like, honestly, maybe the best humor yeah. of a Ghibli film, to be honest. It's like, really it was well done. really well done. Very right. entertaining. Considering it stuck with me. Like, that being yeah. one of the scenes that I remember says a lot. Um, I didn't have a favorite line, did you? There was one line at the end that I thought when Hal gets his heart back, mm-hmm. um, he's like, says something, and Sophie's like, a heart is a heavy burden. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, a, it is. It's a I really, like, specific, subtle statement, but I thought it was, like, pretty much tied together this, like, right. whole... How I think Miyazaki wanted this, like, specific story to be told through, like, a film media. I was right. like, yeah, I like it. I support something simple, something easy. What? Favorite character. I had a pretty hard time picking a favorite character, but I ended up going with Sophie Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like she goes through the most change. And also, like, I guess I, to be this, like, person who's, like, not necessarily miserable, but, you know, she's just kind of living. She's just, you know, at a hat shop. Kind of just doing that, not necessarily, like, loving it or confident. She doesn't really have a lot of self-confidence. Right. Meets this random guy in the street, and then an old witch is like, you're old now. Sorry. And then she's got to, like, deal with that, and she's like, yeah, I got to go find this guy and fix this shit. Something we didn't talk about, but I really, really appreciated in scenes as you could see her age, like, Mm de-age and age again, like, that contrast or, like... She would start to become young and then, like, something would happen and she'd become old again. And I really liked that, like, visual aspect of that, like, aging, that process. I thought it was really well done and really added to her character as well. To kind of see, like, where she was at, like, feeling with herself in comparison to how she looked, so. Right. It was, like, a really seamless transition to how they did it. At some points I didn't even realize until it was, like. Right. I was like, oh, she, like, changed again. Really subtle, but really well done, I thought. I also picked Sophie. Um, it was hard, though. I I really liked Hal's character. I really liked... Um, Calcifer, the, uh, I really liked, too. Who's the little boy? Uh, it's like Mika or Michael? Me- yeah. Something like that. Um, I really liked him. But yeah, I just really like her character, and I like how she kind of just is like, okay, I'm in this 
situation and I'm just gonna like go with it and and kind of just um tries to like make the best of it and um she's always looking out like even the witch she like is taking care of her yeah. and I think she just is kind of like seeing the best in people right which is cool yeah um so Ghibli I have kind of two just the opening scene uh with merry-go-round playing I really mm-hmm. like and then any uh, all the food moments God, oh my gosh, the breakfast. Oh, like the fried eggs. When they were making oh, the bacon and the eggs. It looks so good. That whole scene, I was like, this is what I, like, this is what they do so well are these, like, yeah. little small moments of just, like, living life. Right. Like that, oh my god, that breakfast scene I wrote, breakfast cooking is a vibe I'm here for is one of the notes I wrote. Yes. Uh, yes. I'm it here for so it. It looks so good. It looks so good. Yeah. I approve. Yeah. I'm on yeah. board. Yeah, I also kind of did a couple. I had one was that opening scene with the music coming in, the merry-go-round of life, and like the the whole like kind of cold open into that. I thought was really well done. The other one that I really liked is when um, they move the castle and they like transform it into this new storefront and like add a bedroom and mm-hmm. stuff and like the magic aspect of that. I thought was really well done and really interesting and like that like sequence I thought was well done. Yeah, I agree. Captivating for me. All right, well, are you ready to move on to our next film? Yes. Our next film is um, Tales from Earthsea, which is rated PG-13, the second PG-13 film we've had. It was released in 2006, um, and it has a runtime of an hour and 56 minutes. This is described as an anime epic fantasy, and it's based on... Four books of the Earthsea series, which is a series of novels written by author Ursula K. Lee Gwynn, I believe is how you pronounce her name. And it's also known as, like, the direct translation is um, Ged's War Chronicles, or Jed's War Chronicles. I can't remember. I think it was Ged. I think that's how it's pronounced in the movie. This is the um, directorial debut of Goro Miyazaki, who is Hayao Miyazaki's son. You said directorial debut, correct? We always I did. It up. You know, First and I time. wrote I wrote down directorial de- debut, and I like I had to like deliberately yeah. like say it in my head as I was writing it down. I did do it correctly. Congrats, we did it. Something we we both have said wrong at least right. once. And he also co-wrote it with. Oh God, I I, I wrote that poorly. I think it's um Ke- Keiko Niwa. I think it's Keiko Niwa, who also it was a first time writer for the studio. So the movie also took a little bit of inspiration from um, one of Hayao Miyazaki's manga called Shuna's Journey. So some of the things were inspired from that. So it's not necessarily based off one specific book. It's kind of like parts taken from four books and combined together into one film so in the past, multiple directors had asked and were requested to turn this series into either, I think, TV or miniseries or movies, and the author always turned them down. Um, Hayao Miyazaki had asked previously if he could adapt it. Um, the author said no. But then after the release of um, Spirited Away, when it won the Academy Award for Best uh, Animated Feature in 2002, the author had watched My Neighbor Totoro, and then from there was like, okay, I would like you to adapt my books. <laughs> Unfortunately, Hayao Miyazaki was working on Howl's Moving Castle. He's a busy guy. He's like, yeah. uh, I got a film. 
but Studio Ghibli not wanting to lose uh, like access to those rights. Um, I think people, because again, she'd been so like against people using it. So I think they were like, we got to act on it now. The uh, Suzuki, uh, I can't remember what his first name is. You had it written down. He produced. Oh, from the last one? Yeah. He's like it the, is... at this point was the head of, of uh, Studio Ghibli. Toshio. Toshio Suzuki, yeah. So Toshio yeah. Suzuki, who's the head of Studio Ghibli at this time, uh, one of the main producers, he was like, hey, Goro's been working hard. You know, he is, you know, good with stuff. He's a quick learner. Let's give him the film. How uh, Miyazaki was very displeased with this, as he felt he lacked the experience to be a director. Uh, and apparently they did not speak until after the film was completed. And there's also this like rumor that when he uh, saw the film for the first time, he walked out of it during the film. I don't know if that's true or not, but I know when we talked about like the background of the studio, we had talked about how they've always had a contentious mm-hmm. relationship between um, father and son, especially like I have to give, you know, acknowledgement that I, I can't even imagine what it would be like to have to constantly be compared to your father, who's considered like the Walt Disney of Japan animation. You know, he's considered one of like a prolific director and you have to follow in his footsteps. Like, Mm -hmm. I think there's no feasible way anyone could do that, um, regardless of whether you're not, you're his son. So um, I feel like just in a general front, he probably gets like a lot harder criticism than anyone else. Right. Yeah. Which it does happen, unfortunately, but yeah. Yeah, so just like I just like to state that first, like that I'm sure is is a terrible thing to have to experience um, yes. in general. But the music was done by uh, Tamina Terashima, who had not done uh, a soundtrack or composed for the studio prior, and did not after this point either. This is the only film that they had done. The film itself received generally positive but mixed reviews. Um, the author also was mixed on her views. She wasn't necessarily thrilled with the way it turned out. Um, she also expressed that she was uh, bummed out that Hayao Miyazaki didn't do it, I guess, is maybe the way that she'd phrase that. Like, she was like, the movies don't really represent the book, like, right. the books. They're kind of their own individual thing they draw inspiration from, but it's not necessarily like a one-to-one so the movie was uh, at the was number one for five weeks in Japan when it came out. Um, it has made a seven point eight four billion yen worldwide, which is equal to about seventy five point five million dollars uh, in the U.S. The Mouse released uh, the dub of this film in two thousand ten um, because there were some licensing disputes. They had initially, I think, some Disney property had rights to do like a mini series on the books or something like that. So there was some licensing disputes. So that's why it took an extra like four years to come out um, and not right away like they had been doing with a lot of their other films. Oh, the other thing I forgot to mention um, just because I'm looking at my notes is that the author also criticized the film in the sense that she thought it focused focused too much on the aspects of war and violence, which Mm -hmm. necessarily weren't main themes of the book, that she thought it was too much focus on those aspects. Okay. But the film has a... um, 38% 38% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 47 out of 100 on Metacritic, 2.9 out of 5 on Letterboxd, but IMDb, it's got a 6.3 out of 10. So, the summary from Max. 
As crops dwindle and dragons reappear, a wizard and a young prince search for the force behind the imbalance that threatens to destroy the land. You know what? I I don't necessarily agree with the Rotten Tomato score. I, I don't either. didn't find it, like, to be bad. I found it more... I found it a bit confusing at times. Yeah. Um, a bit hard to follow at times, but I didn't think it was necessarily, like, a bad movie. There's so much to discuss with this, I think. Yeah. So, I also agree. I don't think this is a bad film. This movie has a worse letterbox score than Ice Age 2. See, like, that's not... It has similar ratings to, like, some of the Ice Age films. And I was going to say, my comparison was going to be, because we have watched all Ice Age films, those are bad. Like, those are bad films. I don't think this is a bad film. Is it boring? Yes, it is boring. It went on for way too long. And there's definitely some plot issues. But I don't find it to be bad. But it's not bad. I wonder if... Because, like, with, with movies in, like... Studio Ghibli or like Pixar, they have such a high bar. And like, so if the movie doesn't reach that level, people tend to rate it worse. Like in Ice Age, like, let's be honest, none of the Ice Age movies were that great to begin with. One is decently good. Okay, it's decent, but it's not. Not for animation under no circumstances. But it's like, so there's a lower bar almost. So I wonder if people see a Ghibli film and it's not Spirited Away, it's not, you know, it's not these, these super films they tend to rate it harder i wonder if that's part of it because compared to like some movies i've seen like i was like okay this is enjoyable um i agree it's it's kind of boring in the middle it mm-hmm. it does go on too long it's what almost two hours it's uh almost two hours hour yeah. 56 yeah and it's just there were some parts like i said that i got kind of confused on there were some parts that i was just like okay like why yeah but i don't find it to be Bad. I felt like if we're going to talk about positives, I felt like... Ooh, animation. Animation was really well done. Yeah. Um, I kind of was... It was a little bit... I noticed it was different from a lot of the Ghibli films. And in a way, it was kind of like refreshing because it's like, oh, we get something a little bit different. It was kind of giving me like Game of Thrones vibes a little bit. So one thing that I kind of was, was writing about was that this is kind of the first one that I would say is like specifically medieval. Yeah. Like, I don't think Studio Ghibli has done, like, a medieval set, like, type-themed film before. Yeah. Um, which, medieval themes certainly, like, done to death. Like, we've, right. we've had, like, that's a genre that's covered a lot. But this studio, I don't think, had done, like, anything with that specific, right. like, time period type feel to it. Yeah. So I thought, like, you know, that was good. I thought, like, the, I actually thought, like, the final sequence kind of felt appropriately drawn out. I didn't feel, like way too long um and the ending didn't necessarily feel too rushed Mm -hmm. Uh, i was a little bit confused because he was like oh i have to go back and pay for my crimes and then they were doing like this weird montage and i was like is he not going back and then he left at the end um i also thought it was weird that they never showed the king queen like that area ever again yeah i want to get into some of my thoughts about some of the plot stuff hannah this movie specifically feels very much like the Black Cauldron of Studio Ghibli. And uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, Black Cauldron is a film by the mouse. Came out in the 80s. Hannah and I had it on VHS. So we watched it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And this film also suffers, like, it's not rated very highly. People don't really like Mm -hmm. this film. 
it went through production hell. It was, like, in production for, like, 15 years. It also is adapted from a series of novels in the same way, like, they just kind of pick and, like, picked things from different novels and kind of put them together into one movie. And I think it suffers a similar thing where it's, like, Black Cauldron is super stylized, like, animation-wise. It's really got, like, a dark undertone. But the actual story and plot suffer. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's specifically, at least in, like, in Tales for Earthsea, I don't know if it's specifically because they, they basically took things from four different novels. They didn't, like, pick one story and kind of stick with that. Because it felt like sometimes things skipped around yeah. and they didn't explain things very well. Aaron is the main character, right? He's this young yes. kid. And... The opening of this movie is him murdering his father. Right. And then they just kind of cut away from that. Um, yeah. And they never talk about it until about like halfway through the film. He mentions it. And he's like, I don't know right. why I did that. We also don't really know the consequences of that. Nobody really talks about that in the scope mm-hmm. of this movie. You know, at the end, he mentions he's got to go back to answer for his crimes. But I'm also like, does anyone know that he did that? Like, does anyone yeah, because, know that he killed his father? I think right? I think for his conscience, he had to go tell that he... Because no one knew because he did it. There was no one around. Right. Maybe they guessed because he had disappeared. I don't know. But something you said, you know how they, they went off four books and it re- immediately reminded me, this is like a weird example, when Sister of the Traveling Pants 2 combined three books. I was just going to mention that, yeah. And it yeah. kind of got really jarring and jumpy. And I think it's- that happens when you don't focus on like one you know if you focus on one book it's a lot easier you have to cut stuff obviously but you have right. like a solid story where you start to get issues is where you go through too many things and you try to shove it all into one yes i think that was a real issue i know i i thought for a second that um sparrowhawk was the king and i was like is he alive i was so confused because it was so <laughs> jumpy so jarring um, and characters just yeah. kept showing up, and I was like, this is, yeah. So there was definitely plot issues, um, yeah, for I sure. Think especially with comparison to, how, like, going from Howl's Moving Castle to this, I think the biggest flaw is the cast. Yeah. Because I think, like, when you draw from an existing source material, in terms of, like, the world building and the style, like, you don't really have to do that, because it's right. kind of already there. And I thought the, like, the animation was a bit, um, what did I, did I use the word gritty? Like, going from house to this, like, it was a bit more watercolor, a bit more gritty. I thought it mm-hmm. fit, like, that type of feel, this, like, kind of desperation, wartime, end of the world type thing. But then, like, we get all these characters, and I don't know, I don't know anything about them. I don't know what their mm-hmm. motives are. Like, Sparrowhawk, we don't ever see him do any, he's supposed to be, like, an arch mage, which is, like, a magician kind of situation. But yep. I feel like we didn't see him do anything except transform his face you know? Yeah, he didn't do much. Um, we didn't, like, actually see him do a lot. This girl... Tachi? Tach... There were two T names, and they were very similar. Yeah, they were very similar. And then she had a real name, and, like, a her, like, a her given name. And she was a dragon? And she was a dragon? I, I was, okay, that's the other thing I didn't really understand, was this, the dragons appearing is a big deal, and then we never get an explanation of what that means. Right. And then the dragon shows back up at the end. And, and then I, I was very confused. But there was like six dragons flying overhead. And I was like. 
yeah, so it was confusing. I did. I looked away for like five seconds, and then she was a dragon, and I, I was like, too. "Did I miss I was something?" Like, well, because there's a part right where they're at the top of the castle, right. and like he jumps, and there's like that like transition right. water scene, which was really cool. I did like that yeah. scene, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Wait, why is there a dragon?" I, was I like, looked. What did this I, I was like, "I swear, yeah. I looked away for two seconds. I, I don't know what's happening." The same thing happened where I was like, "Yeah, I, think I, I, I went back, and I was like, no, I just that really just happened that quickly.'" I think that they set up all these plot points because you know you get things like slavery. Yeah. That never really go anywhere. No. You get this, like, these, like, comical henchmen that are, like, way more involved in the story than the act cob, corn on the cob is. <laughs> yeah, cob. Uh, did you watch the English version or the Japanese of English. This? Because William Defoe just whispering yeah. at me was, like, an ASMR that I did not, like, it was, it, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of ASMR. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this before, but he just whispered every line. Yeah. He's just like, I'm coming to get you. It's yeah. not poison. It's not poison. But a green goblin. Like, imagine the green goblin, like, doing ASMR. Yeah. I thought Cobb was the queen for a second. I was so confused. I was like, what is happening? It was very good. Were you disturbed when Cobb's eyes disappeared and turned yeah, into black holes? Black. I was like, why? Why and did they, they never, hate me? They never explained, one, why she turned into a dragon. They never explained, like... Because there's a point where Sparrowhawk, like, looks at her and was like, could she be... Right. And I'm assuming he means a dragon? But that was... But they never explained that. Yeah, they had a lot... Yeah, they didn't explain a lot. Which was very Yeah, and I I think that hurt the story because I didn't really care about any of the characters. You know, I... Aaron, I just... He just... I mean, there was a period where he just did nothing. Like, there was a part of the film where nothing happened for about 30, 40 minutes before the end of the film. Yeah. And it was just like, I was just like, okay, he couldn't unsheath his sword, but then magically he could. The power of, I don't know, lack of fear. I Like King Arthur situation. I was really confused about that uh, yeah. whole situation. It was like the power of wanting to live. Yeah. The impo- and and it, really, it felt like they were really throwing that theme at the end. Like it was just a lot of talking about like, life is important. Right. Keep on living. Uh, don't let your fear control you. And they just, it just kept, just kept going. And I just yeah. was, I was like, uh, this, this is rough. Yeah, it just, um, it was messy. Yeah, it was messy. But I don't think, I wouldn't say it's like a 30 whatever percent rotten tomatoes. No, it's messy, but I like, you can see the potential. Yeah. I think it's like the potential for this to be a good movie was like a good, like a good movie was there. Like it had the bare bones, like the story could have, we could have gotten there. Right. I think there just was, and I don't mean to disrespect Goro, but I, I think he really did not have the experience to be directing this type of a film. Like I wonder how it would have been if if Hayo would have done the film. Right, because if you're adapting multiple novels in and writing that and having to write a story based on multiple novels, that's a lot of work. It's hard. Especially for someone who's never directed a film before. Right. Like that is like not I feel like, like it's hard even for people who are like directing i i feel like he got put into that position because the the producer was like hey you do this yeah and what are you gonna say no like right you know yeah i feel like there was some issues in there's a word i'm looking for and i don't remember what it is but i just feel like it could have been better some frayed edges that weren't like connected together you know the glue is not set yeah 
It's like the video of where the man puts the piece of tape over like the leaking boat. <laughs> oh, what's that called? A uh, can think of what it flex is. Flex tape or something. Yeah, that's what yeah. it reminded me of. Yeah. Yeah, it just um Yeah. It could have been better. I feel like this gets at least looking online, looking at people's review of this, I feel like this gets a bad rap. Yeah. And not doesn't necessarily like it's not a cars two. We're not no. talking about cars no. two here. We're talking about maybe like a bug's life. Yeah. Or, or like um Monsters University, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Or some you know, like it's not bad. Yeah. I wouldn't like tell I you know, like I don't think I need to watch this again. But it's not like bad. Like I'm not it, watching this and being like this sucks. It's just like, yeah, yeah. I can see where there are some issues and it's like pacing like a, and, and plot. onward. Yeah, yeah. Where okay, like I yeah. felt like there was potential, there was some confusing parts, but it was like it wasn't bad, but I probably wouldn't watch it again. Yeah, but you know, that's rough. It's rough to have a real like a real like shit, you know. Yeah. That one that people are like this sucks. Yeah. All right. Favorite character? I didn't really know. I just put Sparrowhawk. I did as well because I just felt like he had the most interesting stuff going on. And he cared. Yeah. It was important. I liked that scene where um, Aaron's trying to stab him and he just kind of like grabs him and like, you know, embraces him, him, you know, and is like, it's all good. Let let it do it. Let your egg take over Anakin. Sorry, that was my Palpatine impression. I don't impression. like that. Okay, favorite scene. Um, I liked the, like, final sequence scene where they were, like, running all over yes. the castle and, like... I did, too. It was cool. Um, I think it was well done and until it got kind of confusing with the dragon part, but I think yeah. it was, like, cool. Yeah, I agree. The, I the, chase, the chase part yeah, was the cool. The chase scene, the, the climbing up the tower. Yeah. yeah, I liked that as well. I thought that was well done. Yeah, I didn't pick a favorite line. There was this part where he's, like, embracing him. Sparrowhawk is embracing Aaron. They're talking about, you know, uh, life. Because he's, like, life's not worth living. Or, you know, like, I'm fearful of life. And he was, like, life is a wave on the sea. Hmm. He like, had a yeah. line, too, that was, like... Yeah, I liked it. Something about darkness and light. It reminded me yeah. of Harry Potter, where it was, like... Or, like, Iroh. Yeah. You know, Uncle Iroh wisdom. I felt Some old that, man wisdom. Yeah, I felt that, like, enriching, um, like, comfort character in him. But yeah, right. life is a wave on the sea. And I was like, yeah. You nice. know, it is just It is just much a wave in the sea. Okay, my favorite Ghibli moment was the scene where they first arrived to that town. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of it, but the music started playing and it was showing, like, the whole landscape. And I just thought the animation and music together was really cool. Yeah. Um, so I picked, um, in the end of that confusing scene where he, like, jumps off the tower and you, like, it's, like, a first-person shot where he, like, goes towards the water and then, like, ramps up on the dragon, you know? And then you've got the dragon there. And I thought that animation, like, kind of sequence was really, like, well done. And I liked yeah. it. And I was like, ooh, I like this. It's cool. It's a change of pace, so. Yes. I liked that one. Ready to move on to our next film? Yes. Next film is Ponyo. Ponyo. Rated G. It came out in 2008 in a runtime of an hour and 43 minutes. It had a uh, 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. So this movie was written and directed by uh, Hayao Miyazaki. The box office was $204 million 
and it became the eighth highest grossing anime film of all time. So the English version was released in 2009 to 927 theaters across the U.S., um, which was by far the widest opening for a Ghibli film in the United States. Do you remember seeing trailers for this film? Because I yes. do. I remember yes. seeing, we didn't see it in theaters, but no, I definitely but remember trailers. the trailers for this film. Um, so 927 theaters, for, for context, Spirited Away only released in 26 theaters, and Howl's Moving Castle released in 36 theaters. So very different. Okay, so the producer was um, Toshio Suzuki, mm-hmm. and he suggested that this film specifically be aimed at children. Um, they wanted to make a film similar to that, and um, that was part of the reason why they ended up releasing it so much was because um, the mouse took over the U.S. version and a lot of the uh, Pixar people ended up working on the U.S. version. I believe Peter... uh, P-Doctor. P-Doctor and a couple of other main people were the ones who did work on this. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when they were making this film, Miyazaki recalls that like as a nine-year-old, he borrowed a copy of The Little Mermaid, the... um, novel uh-huh. and, and then while he was reading it he had difficulty um he had okay <laughs> while reading it he had difficulty accepting its premise and that the protagonist didn't have a soul mm-hmm. um so he okay. was trying to in this movie he was kind of trying to change that narrative that he read in the in the book because i did at one point i was like this is kind of giving little mermaid vibes oh yeah i wrote that yeah. down i wrote that note yeah okay so miyazaki actually wanted his next film which would be like the one after this uh to be a sequel to this movie oh okay but toshio toshio C- <laughs> suzuki toshio C- oh my god Toshio Suzuki yeah. um, convinced him to make The Wind Rises um, okay. instead of a sequel. There was barely any background in this movie. It was hard to find. Interesting. Which is weird because it was such a big... Did really well, yeah. I know. Um, okay, so this won five awards at the 8th Annual Tokyo uh, Anime Awards. And um, a big part of this movie, they wanted to focus on doing a lot of hand drawings Um I read somewhere that they closed off a lot of the computer studios to encourage people not to go do animation on the computers. They wanted as much hand-drawn as they could. Um, And they brought in, like, when they did this movie, they brought in, like, a newer style of drawing that um, one of the people working on the film had done, like, in a previous film. Okay. So they they really wanted to focus on that um, aspect as opposed to, like, the uh, computer yeah elements i was gonna say i thought i noticed while watching it that it felt more like like a like princess mononoke Mm -hmm. or earlier like 90s like that type of style like it felt more like less computer hand-drawn and more hand-drawn so that's interesting to note that it actually was yeah they had like a big emphasis on that um as much hand drawing as they could was kind of their goal okay a little sum. Oh, I should say all these stuff. All, most of this stuff is from Wikipedia. Our, our most, most trusted. Our most trusted source. Yeah. Yes. A little summary from Max. A magical goldfish named Ponyo yearns to become human to be with Sasuke. 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 I think it's Sasuke. <laughs> I wrote it wrong. <laughs> I was gonna say I. I just watched this a little bit ago. I was like, I'm pretty sure his name. Yeah, Sasuke. I wrote it wrong. Okay. To be with Sasuke. But their friendship leads to unintended consequences on both land and sea. 
Why this was a this trip? Why was this Finding Nemo? <laughs> this was okay. Finding Nemo. Yeah. The Little Mermaid. Yep. Lilo and Stitch. Yes. And it was Lilo and Stitch. And led to Luca. Yeah. This was I got such strong Lilo and Stitch vibes, like uh, it was. like a gender swap Lilo and Stitch kind of deal. Although I don't think Stitch is an alien, so he did not really gendered in general. But the main like the little child being, you know. Like yeah, I got Finding Nemo with, like, the overprotective father, like... Yeah, Nani gave me, uh, uh, Sasuke's mom gave me Nani yeah. vibes. Uh, okay, so attitude. did you listen in English? I did not. I know it's Tina okay. Fey plays Because the it's a yeah. stacked cast mm-hmm. in English. I looked. Tina Fey Betty is White. Yeah, Betty White's in it. Uh, Matt Damon. Uh-huh. Oh, Noah Cyrus and Frankie Jonas. Yeah. Yes, they played the two. They sang, and they sang. And they sang, yeah. um, And I was worried when I saw the cast that it was going to be one of those Finding Nemo 2 where the cast takes me out of the movie sort of thing, which I didn't really find that to be the case because Tina Fey has done other voice acting and stuff. Um, So that wasn't really an issue, but yeah, it was a stacked cast. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, a lot of people. So there were on the Disney Channel so many trailers about them being the leads like again because their siblings are all disney channel people right. I remember like there was like a like the what is it disney 365 or whatever where they or the 411 or whatever i remember seeing yeah. a bunch of trailers for that but anyway when i went in i was like i'll watch it in japanese i'm pretty sure i watched this okay but like i guess like at least 10 years ago i don't think i had seen it um because i did not remember a lot of this movie um having yeah. watched it now sorry my nose got weird one minute that's fine Gotta stop snorting that cocaine. Catch up to you. Oh, she's doing more. <coughs> if you're not watching on video. <laughs> snorting up my cocaine stash. <laughs> I'm in love with the coke. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> mm. um, I don't condone drug use. Um, no. Specifically, cocaine is terrible for your heart. You really shouldn't. If you're going to pick any drug to do, cocaine's Don't not do the cocaine. answer. Don't do cocaine. Don't do cocaine. There's other. Cho- there's better choices. Yes. Um. Use drugs responsibly. This message was brought to you by Research Rank Repeat. 2023. 2023. Use drugs responsibly. Yes. Mm. Yeah, li- li- the one thing, the first one I got was Lilo and Stitch. That was my mm-hmm. first, like... I, like, I got such strong vibes with that. And then the second one I got was Little Mermaid. When she got her, like, hands and feet situation, yeah. I was like, oh, we're get fish out of water. You know, yeah. we're getting that kind of story. I don't really get, know the right words to describe this <laughs> film. This little child loves ham. She loves yeah. ham. She's obsessed with ham, which I'm like, yeah. I can't relate because I don't really I can't like, either. I, I don't say, like ham. I don't really like ham, but I love the enthusiasm she has for ham. She's like, I want to eat ham. Her dad's like, eat, eat up. And she's like, nah. I want ham. I want ham. I mean, once in a while, like a nice honey baked ham. Like, yeah. It's yeah, nice, but I don't know. really like ham lunch meat is gross to mm-hmm. me. I don't really mm-hmm. like ham much. Yeah. Occasional ham here or there. Yeah. Once a year ham. I'm, like yeah. ham bone soup. I can oh, yeah. a ham bone soup. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's this movie's wild it is wild i will i don't know what miyazaki was on when he was making this because like if you look at like i think the closest film in the studio that i could compare this to is my neighbor totoro yeah 
just due to the, the age of the characters, it being relatively light, like it's rated G, it doesn't have any like super strong, like intense themes. I mean, the world's ending, Majora Mask style where the moon's coming down to destroy the earth, but that's not really important because, you know, they're in love and they're five. Yeah. So the the, the weight of the world rests on five-year-olds love for each other, which we got was so ridiculous. It's like, what do you mean? A five. So we're putting we're putting the fate of the world on a five year old and a fish. And yeah. if they're not in love, well, she turns into sea foam like Ariel, and uh, the world ends. So that that plot point was wild to me. Mm-hmm. But it worked though. It was cute. Yeah, it was. Cute. It was uh, I could tell it's made for kids. It, it's but it's like it's endearing and. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought it was funny that the mom was, like, Tokyo drifting, a yeah. horrible driver, and then I she, was like, like, cracked she open a beer. she learned from Dominic Toretto. Yeah, and then she She's cracked like- open a cold one when the husband said he wasn't coming home. Yeah. I'm like, this mom is me. She's laying on the bed, sad. Yeah, her mo- their mom was great. She was, yeah. like, she was a whole mood. Um, yeah. I was here for that. I like when she was like, lady, this bridge is out. And she's like, not not for me. Like, it's not, not, not for, for family. It's, fi- family. it's it's a Fast and the Furious time. Not you for family. family on your yeah, side. When family's on the line, you got to save the Vatican. You, you know, she you learned want. from the best. Yeah, I mean, it was very odd, but it did work. Like, I, I found myself, like, smiling. I was like, this yeah. is cute. And it's so weird, but it works kind of way. I, I yeah. really liked, like, one... There's the scene where she is going back to the humans mm-hmm. and she gets these hands and feet and her like sisters all become giant fish and basically yeah. create a tsunami that's going to destroy the world essentially. Right. But it was so entertaining. And I was yeah. like, this is wild. I love it. And as like weird as it was, it it worked. I think, yeah. I think it it worked in like in the way the movie went. I feel like it worked. It was um it was entertaining. I wasn't annoyed by the children, which, you know, I thought they were Usually written happens. well. Yeah. Um, I liked the the mom. I thought the mom was great. Yeah. Ponyo's parents were also very intriguing as yeah. well. The, like, the style was good, but the characters were fun. It's just, like, it's solid. It's a solid, cute yeah. film. It's also you know? interesting that there's not really, like, a villain. I mean, yeah. like, I guess you could say the dad was at the beginning, but then, yeah, like... but he's, like, he's just He's just looking out for his kid yeah. who's, like, he's five like years old. King Triton, you know? Yeah. He's just um, so best for Ariel. It's interesting there's no real villain, and it's more just about these, like, two kids and, like... Yeah. And their relationship. Yeah, and I think that's kind of sweet. And, like, the whole world-ending thing, like, we're living that right now, so it's yeah. kind of, you know, whatever. I, I kind of was like, yeah, It didn't feel sure. like the weight did not feel heavy. No. And I think that probably is directed because it's directed towards children. Right. Because a lot of these movies, even like the the cute, endearing ones, sometimes have these really he- heavy well, <laughs> heavy elements. Like uh, My Neighbor Totoro with the sister yeah. potentially drowning and their mom being sick in the hospital. Right. Like, even though it's a cute, there's like a fluffy uh, Totoro is this massive, fluffy little... Uh, spirit guy yeah you know flying around with the cat bus you've also got like sick family members and potentially drowned siblings like it's yeah it still feels like the weight is there still yeah but i i appreciate that they made a a film specifically for children like the directive was like to create like a film for a younger audience and use an, a younger audience cast to do that right because i thought that was nice because i don't think we had gotten like, a young cast for quite a while. Um, no, like, Chihiro's, I, like, 12, but that's still... 
right relatively older than yeah i feel like it's been a while especially with like the focus just being on the Mm -hmm. the the kids because like the mom's in it but she's not like the main character yeah and there's other side characters but um the main focus is just like these two relationships and that's something ghibli's always done pretty well i think is just like these endearing like kids just being kids and like yeah you know um and stuff like that so i think i think they do that pretty well yeah yeah, yeah, solid. I think it's a yeah. solid film. I wouldn't say it's it's one of my favorites, but like it's solid. It's entertaining. It was nice after yeah. the last movie because it just felt like yeah. a palate cleanser. It did feel like a nice palate. Like cleanser. I was like, oh, this is nice. Yeah. It wasn't confusing. No, it was not confusing, which is nice. It was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do favorite character. Oh, it's Lisa. Who's uh who's Sasuke's mom? Sorry. Her oh, name is I was like, what? Because <laughs> he because he calls her Lisa. He doesn't yeah. call her mom. He's like Lisa. Because yes. I thought I missed a plot point where like maybe he was like a adopted or or something yeah. or it was like a sibling or you know a f- other family member that was not his mom. But then it was oh, okay. He just calls his parents right. by their first name. Um, but yeah, Lisa was my favorite. Oh my god. Yeah, she was Sasuke's good. mom. She's she's Tokyo drifting. She's like, I ain't here for this shit. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. dealing with this. Supportive, like, caring parent. She works at a, a f- nursing like a, facility. Yeah. yeah, you know, like, she, and she get, gets pissed when her husband's like, hey, right. I'm on the boat. I can't come yeah. home. Oh, and she's just like, fuck yeah. you. Like, yeah. like how in, in Morse code, she's just like, jerk. Like, you suck. Yeah. Um, she, uh, yeah, I, I agree. She was my favorite too. Um, she also was like my favorite scene just in general is when she was just like laying on the couch or the bed and like, it was just so like, everyone knows that feeling of just being so like, I can't, like I'm done. Yeah. But then like afterwards she realizes like he's upset. So she's like trying to make him feel happy and, and stuff. And yeah, so she is nice. She was my favorite character and scene. Solid. We love a supportive parent. We do. You know? I like, um, the Luca's, dad from... Yeah. From the Luca. butcher dude from Luca. Yeah. Massimo. Massimo. We love Massimo. Great love supportive Massimo. father. Especially if you said Pete Doctor, because I think he did Luca. Yeah, Or was involved right. with Luca. So if they did... If Pixar did a lot of work on, like, the localizing of this yeah. film for English, I feel like I can see that influence into Luca. Yeah. Like, I, I can kind of see that parallel. Yeah. You know, I would like, agree. or drawing inspiration from right. that, you know. And, like, of course, yeah. like Little Mermaid and stuff. But yeah. Um, so, uh, my favorite line, just because I feel like this is the movie, is I want ham. Yeah. I want ham. You know? I can't relate, but, like, yeah. I support, I support Ponyo on Ponyo's journey to get ham, you know? Yeah. I like this, um, the line. I don't remember exactly what it was, but when she was trying to give the baby. Um, oh yeah the drink and the mom's like like, no yeah and the mom's like oh i'm sorry the baby can only drink milk yeah (laughs) i was like yeah yeah like that just the comedic delivery of that line was funny funny yeah i think the best scene was the like the fish tsunami scene i really liked it i liked the like the way that it went like basically like everyone else sees it as waves but like when you like periodically it'll show the fish like jumping mm-hmm. in and out of the water and like ponyo running running on those waves you know full yeah. speed ahead ridiculously but i i really liked the way that that was done so i thought that was a, a fun scene yeah 
My favorite scene was the mom, like, laying mm-hmm. on the bed and then the part after, which actually my Ghibli moment was the middle part with him and, like, them doing the... Um, the SOS. Or, or, sorry, the, the Morse code. Yeah, and it was yeah. cool because, like, at the beginning there was, like, this music playing and it just felt, mm-hmm. like, very, like, heartfelt, but then they mixed in this comedy with the mom just, like, being pissed. Um, So that, I guess that whole sequence, I just really enjoyed all of that. But also Ghibli, just, like, the animation um, yeah. in general because it was nice, like, always. I really liked once, um, like, everything, it kind of flooded when they're having these kind of, like, slow, de- deliberate, like, underwater shots where you can mm-hmm. see just everything is underwater and they do that, like, there's, like, nice music playing and it's pretty, like, serene and, like, kind of just focused on the environment. Um, and I thought that was really well done and I was yeah. enjoying the underwater shots and they're just kind of going along in the boat, you know, hanging out. Yeah. All right. So that is... That is it for this grouping, probably. Yeah. Yeah, we have probably one more chunk of movies to go. I think we got six left. Mm-hmm. Feels good to be near in the end. Yeah. We're almost there. It, it doesn't feels... feel good to have to do this ranking, though. No. Does it, not feel it, good. It, the only nice thing about doing Pixar as quickly as we did is it made it easier to rank. Uh, yeah. This is going to be harder because we're so broken up. Yeah. But regardless, um, yeah, we will be back with potentially a final review episode they'll still be ranking yes in the meantime though um you can email us r3podcasts at gmail.com we have instagram we have letterbox do and uh yeah thanks for listening yeah see you next time bye bye we would like to thank joseph mcdade for our intro music he provides free music available for all kinds of creative use The song that we used is called Sunrise Expedition, and you can find it and his other music on his website, josephmcdade.com. If you would like to reach us, you can email us at r3podcasts at gmail.com. That's R, the number three, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram by searching research rank repeat. Hoo-wow! Mr. Malfoy. Yeah. In case you cut and you need There's to one thing we know how to do. It's how, uh, it's how to pack. Oh, last minute. I'm good at packing efficiently last minute. And I mean, I just will bring my Vera Bradley doll. <laughs> the Vera Bradley doll. So I just need to make sure I have like... Sorry. I get a Whoever edits this first has a lot of coughing and sneezing to cut out. I'm just going to let you know. I was trying to mute it and I kept not being able to see the mute button.